Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is November 8th, 2021, and we are counting down the days of 2021, everyone. Who would have thought that 2021 would have gone at light speed compared to 2020? Everyone's sitting at home, working, and now we're back to the offices and out traveling. Now today we have two very special guests in the world of technology. Kicking off our episode, we have Martha Montoya, the CEO of Ag Tools. That's right, our fancy sponsor and title sponsor to the Produce Industry mobile application. We're going to get a little update from Martha and how things are going in the world of data and analytics and how to incorporate that into your workplace. Then we're going to hear from Sarah Metzger, the Senior Solutions Director at iTrade Network. Everyone, that's right, iTrade. If you're a buyer or a seller in the fresh produce industry, I guarantee you, you have used this program at least once or twice. Sarah's going to talk a little bit about technology and other ways that iTrade Network is helping grow the produce and supply chain industry. Don't forget to register for this month's virtual networking hour hosted by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Severin. We're going to chat a little bit about packaging solutions and sustainable packaging as well. So join us this week, Wednesday, November 10th, 2021, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Stay tuned for the Produce Industry Show as each week we are dropping a new episode every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now without further ado, let's get Martha Montoya on the line today. Hey Martha, welcome back to the show. Oh, welcome. Thank you very much for welcoming Again, uh, enjoying always talking with you, Patrick. It's great to have you on the line today. Listen, it's been over a year, and I think there's many more years to come in this relationship, learning about data, learning about analytics. And, and I'm telling you, Martha, it's to the point now where it, you said it earlier. It's like we're going to have to roll with the punches on this because technology is adapting into our everyday lives as well as the farming life, the ag life. I mean, these are things that are going to be here day in and day out. And that's what we're here to talk about. And that's what we're here to, you know, try and get our consumers and our buyers and our people to understand, uh, you know, technology is not going away, Martha. Yeah. I remember when uh, the first calculators came and my grandpa used to say, you have to do it all by paper because your brain is not going to function if you don't do your math in paper. Well, guess what? Now we, I don't think we ever do um, any calculations by hand because it's part of technology. Now my brain is using a different form now. It's so true. I remember that long division. I mean, they taught us so many different ways. And heck, what about balancing your books? Do you remember balancing your books with debits and credits? And, and you know what? I, I might be a little young, as people think, right? Um, but no, I, I was in a day where there was no computers at work where you would balance right. your books and then check it, but you would never check to the computer. You would always check back to those paper notes, right, Martha? Exactly, it was always that, and then came the spreadsheets of the world. And then the, the same thing, It's an evolu- everything is an evolution. Mr. Darwin will always be right. We're in an evolution on a continuous basis. 100% always. So let's talk a little bit about that because as we start to look at the technologists 
technology is just completely integrating into the produce life, the produce world. I think that there's a lack of understanding still, because I think as we we're going to have our featured guests talk uh, about, you know, a purchasing platform and where they are going. Um, when we talk about data, we talk about analytics, but we talk about, do people really understand technology and what it can do for your business, especially involving data and analytics? I think that people understand from, from the conceptual point of view, but the adapt adapting to technology is not easy in general. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, 50 or 20 years old. The difference is that um, we have to now, our industry is so behind adapting to technology that it's taking a little bit longer because we are, we are pushing back. But I think COVID-19 has pushed us forward faster than we expected. I think that would have taken us, uh, I would say, three to five more years to be where we are today if it wouldn't have been for COVID-19 because, again, we had no choice. And now our brains have to adapt fast and readjust to the new world, which is technology. We have to. I mean, I, I agree with you. And I was going to laugh and say, wait a minute. You're talking about ag people being behind? Don't we produce food <laughs> for the world? Shouldn't we be and have the most up-to-date technology and innovation? Because, heck, we're the food industry, right? We should be. Right. We should know it all, right? But I, but I agree with you. And, and I think those, you know, understanding... Um, technology and understanding that it's going to play in your life, that's where it's going to help you adapt, right? And, and I think that you've said it, I've said it, your team has said it. What level of value do you perceive this technology? Right. And I think that if there's something I have learned through the years working now on Actools and, and with many of our wonderful stakeholders of the industries that the reason I believe the strongest reason why we haven't taken complete advantage of technology or we have not jumped on it is because of the nature of our business. Literally, I tell people when I talk to regular human beings, hey, we start the day at three, four in the morning. By the time it's 10, 11 a.m., we're literally brain exhausted because we have been making so many decisions on the run fast, 40, 30, $50,000 worth of money. And very few people understand that. It's, it's really unusual. Our industry is very unusual. So imagine when you finish at 10, 11 a.m. in the morning, when you, the rush of the, of the morning, whether you're farming or whether you're buying or you're, whether you're selling, your brain is tired. And there's a study from the University of Barcelona that says that if you're physically and mentally tired, you stop absorbing and learning. And it's proven. You stop absorbing and learning. So when we're done with the day, we're like done. And we don't want to think about any, anything else. And the study even says that many places in the world, the people who have to make decisions after heavy work make wrong decisions because precisely they are exhausted. And so I believe the strongest reason for us not absorbing technology faster is the nature of the business, not because we don't want. And I tell people, just, just come one day and work at the... The, one of the marts, Chicago Mart, LA Mart, New York Mart, just one morning. And when you finish at 10 a.m., you tell me whether you're not tired. It is exhausting. Oh, it's so exhausting. Listen, the life inside of those markets, and you're right, they have to make such knee-jerk decisions and reactions. And, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, why do you have to make those knee-jerk decisions? Well, because it's 
perishable goods, everyone. We can't keep apples sitting for an extra 45 to 60 days. So when this produce comes in directly from the farm, we have people that are literally selling it right mm -hmm. fresh from the farm, sometimes 24 to 48 hours right after it's picked. And that's what makes those decisions the hard. And guess what? You're on the floor. You're checking the quality of the fruit. You're checking the sugar levels. You've got pallets moving in and out at all times. And I agree. I remember back in the days when I used to work uh, for the packing houses. And, you know, I remember, you know, being on a forklift, being on the grade line, and then going home. I didn't go and get on my computer. I mean, you know, I, I, keep in mind back then, like, you know, we had one computer, a household, maybe, but it's like, I didn't go and get on computers and get on Facebook. And it wasn't, nothing, none of that was there back then. You know, what right. you get on the computer for was to do, was really to look at the spreadsheets again. And it was tough. I mean, you would, you would get done at four or five o'clock after selling and buying all day and then have to go home and reconcile reports. Heck, it was mm -hmm. easier to just write notes in your yellow legal pad than it was to get it, on the computer. Like a, it was a punishment almost. <laughs> it was. It was like, oh, I got to do reports on the computer. I have to. And now it's so funny because, you know, Martha, I talked about it in a previous podcast about leadership mis mistakes, but, you know, putting paperwork before people work. We now mm -hmm. have come to a time that we believe that the paperwork is now important or more important than actual people working. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, and, it's and, it's, it's a full circle. And that's a day that is a normal, I mean, a day without any anything unusual, no, no weather patterns, no strikes on the board. That that's your regular day without that in that impact. Now add the impact to that, and now you are asking, uh, and this is one thing, this is my theory, that the software companies uh, which were came to online, I would say 30, 40 years ago. And I say that because uh, our CTO comes from being one of the first uh, original um, uh, engineers for Amazon when nobody believed in what we call non-relational databases. So the software companies created these softwares that are like, I call them freeways. You jump on the freeway and you have only so many exits, right? Well, guess what? That's not, that's not our industry. Our industry needs a highway because you never know what's going to happen. And you can't just be on a freeway not being able to jump out to move that truck in a different form or a different position or hey, they don't send it to New Jersey, send it to New York, hey, hold it back. I mean, all those things, all those decisions and have it on relational databases, which is how our databases, uh, our softwares were built. And even as of today, the big companies don't have non-relational databases but guess who has non-relational databases amazon amazon yeah. started with non-relational database because they understood since the beginning of their or their time that they were not just going to sell books and gustavo who's our cto will tell you that when they would sit down around the, those famous desks that were table that were the the doors of the offices that were the desk he was saying we're not going to sell just book we're going to sell everything guess what he is selling everything, but it was all based on a completely different thinking than the software companies built. So I would challenge any one of us on this call to tell me if anyone has, if anyone really uses the software, because once you get in and you want to do a change, you can't change. There's no way to change because the system is so freeway style that that happens. So, so it's a combination of being exhausted and on top of that, having software companies that haven't understood our industry. It's a great combination for us to not jumping on technology faster. I 100% agree. You kind of reminded me of the uh, the 80s uh, movie Tron. 
Remember Tron? Mm -hmm. It was also yep. a video game. And, you know, you pretty much built your own kind of, uh, it, it was kind of a highway, right? There was a certain yep. rules of what was expected. And then the gentleman came in and completely defied all the rules and was able to make his own path and do things. So it's kind of interesting that you put it in that way of the freeway. And then it kind of, like I said, it made me think of Tron, the video game. There you go. And, and, and how to actually put those pieces together. Well, Martha. Because now, yeah, because if you have a bump, a bumpy, uh, a bumper cop, now you don't have 10 trucks, you have 20 trucks to sell. <laughs> yeah, so what do you do? exactly. And, then, and that path needs to be not a circle. It needs to there veer off go. to the right, to the left. Maybe go to the mountain region. Maybe go to the northeast, like you said. Yeah, it's got to yeah. It's got to be completely open, and we're starting to see that, right? And even a lot of technology right. companies that are coming to the table, you know, even myself, we're coming with a platform. But you're right; it's a strict highway, and this is how we operate, and this is how things are done. And it will take innovation and creativity, and even a little bit of ingenuity to make those things happen. So, mm -hmm. Martha. It's been fantastic having you on the line. Obviously, teeing up to have iTrade come on next. Obviously, having our fancy sponsor, Ag Tools, on the line. It has been great having you. And again, Martha, I always ask, if anybody wants to get a hold of yourself or the organization, how can they go about doing that? Just pick up the phone. We have our cell number, phone numbers on the website. But visit ag.tools, ag.tools, and come in and talk to us. I mean... Just, just chat, look at what we're doing, mainly because it's not only for us, it's for benefiting our industry. And little by little, we're getting a lot of stakeholders understanding that the picture is bigger than individually each one of us. We all have to start find, finding a way to work together. 100%. And as I always love your slogan, see more, <laughs> achieve more. Let's do it together. Thanks, Martha. Okay, thank you. It's always great to hear from one of our sponsors. Now, let's hear from one more of our sponsors and then get our featured guests on the line. Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Fantastic to hear from Equifruit, the only banana you should buy. Now let's get on to our featured guest of the day, Sarah Metzger with iTrade Network. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show today. Patrick, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Hey, you know, it's interesting. We have so many companies that come on and it's all about relationships in the produce industry. It's like we're meeting on LinkedIn now. We're now getting back in person, meeting at shows. And I think that's what's great about our industry is that we are embracing that. We're embracing technology a little bit more, right? We're getting on LinkedIn instead of like, you know, going there and going, oh, I'm not going to connect with that person. We're actually connecting and we're making valuable conversations. So it's great to have yourself and I trade on the line today because I feel like I'm going to learn a little bit here today. Sarah like I, I'm gonna be truthful like I tell everybody like it's I play a little bit of devil's advocate but when we talk about certain programs it's like there's there's have to's and want to's right like we have to use some of these programs or we want to in the industry and and I think that I trade is one of those um have to's right there's there's a lot of companies that use I trade um you know for procurement platforms um but right there's also I think so much about this I trade platform that people don't know about right Sarah I think that um, 
everybody has these verticals that they're in, whether you're a buyer, whether you're a, you know, a C-suite level, whether you're in operations. So we got to talk about this. Give me this 30,000 foot overview, especially to our listeners of, of kind of iTrade and who you guys are. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you kind of hit it on the head because most people know us as a procurement platform. It's how iTrade Network started over 22 years ago. And while we have a fantastic procurement solution that we've continued to develop and to enhance over those 22 years, and which is focused not just on produce, but also on protein and, and center of store, but we've also in that time grown with our customers. So we've seen their challenges and we've helped to solve for them and we've evolved as a, a business partner to our customers. So today we have solutions outside of just procurement for tackling all of those unique challenges. So everything from planning, you know, making sure that we get the right amount of product to the right end destination, which is important, not just for minimizing things like out of stocks and, and not just for creating happy customers at these retail, retail and end unit locations, but also to ensure that we're minimizing food waste as an industry, as a, as a collective. We have solutions for quality inspection, ensuring high quality product and, and doing it in a way that's both scalable across operation sizes and across growing operational sizes, but also objective and, and consistent. And we can do that through, through leveraging technology. We have solutions in the logistics space where we can help with things like optimizing loads and, and expediting through customs and leveraging crosstalks, so much that we can do to help there. And that one is a, a major focus area as of late, especially given what we're seeing with labor shortages and supply chain issues being what they are. We have discovery solutions, our marketplace solution, where we help our customers to find new trading partners and, and find new markets for their products and and diversify. You know, when we look at what happened with COVID-19, there's this need to diversify so that we can plan for those future unknowns. And then of course, traceability, which is the area that I would love to dive deep on with you today. And when you look at it, to, and if you were a normal consumer, you're like, wait a minute, who is iTrade? And you pull up the iTrade Network website, right? And I did when we first started talking, because here's the thing, again, it, it depends on which vertical you're in. You said it, there's so many aspects of this network. And it's so crazy because before when I, I remember telling a produce buddy of mine, I was like, hey, I'm going to have iTrade you know, on today. They were like, oh, great. They're like, what are you guys going to be talking about? I use them every day, right? And I know that's great. You're like, oh, great. Someone's using us every day, right? And I think that's what we didn't know. I had no idea about the logistics, right? Even the fresh inspections. And obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more about traceability. Um, but again, you go back to this, and it's like, what functionality can we bring to the table for the produce industry? And I think we just got to stop for a second because you said it right before you ended the conversation was embracing this technology, right? And uh, Sarah, let's be real. I think the entire produce industry as a whole has started to embrace technology, but I think we still have a little bit of ways to convincing them that technology is the future. Am I right? I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that for a second. Oh, absolutely. And I, I like to kind of think of it as a, as a flywheel. So uh, to date, it's been it's been kind of a heavy push that we're trying to get that flywheel moving. And now we're kind of in that middle area where we're starting to see some adoption and we're starting to see it focused in, in some areas more than others. But I, I do believe that as we continue to push and as we continue to innovate and, and make solutions that are truly valuable 
for all of our, our trading partners throughout the supply chain that we'll see that flywheel start to spin a little faster. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, and when you talk about like technology, even the, the smaller things, right? Do you remember back in like 2007 when the iPhone came out? And, you know, I worked for a grower, packer, shipper back then, Sarah. And I remember they were like, no, you're, you're not getting an iPhone. I mean, we're not having video games inside the office. I mean, even, <laughs> even things, right? Isn't that funny, right? But even things as like uh, small as that, you know, adapting to technology. Could you imagine living in today's world, right? With a flip phone and some people still do. Trust me, I've seen it. I've seen drivers get out of their trucks with flip phones still, right? And I, I think it's part of the industry. Even, even labor contractors, they still have like old Nextel communication phones, but even things as small as that, right? Introducing technology can change so many aspects of the business. It can, it just, it takes it to a whole different level. So uh, let's talk a little bit about where your company's focus is though. We talk about traceability, uh, regulations, buyers, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we think about traceability specifically and, and why we're headed in that direction and why we're really focused on that, there's, there's three primary drivers that, that I consider there. Um, the first is regulations. Like you said, you know, we have things like FISMA 204. That is a, a huge focus area these days where everyone's trying to prepare themselves and get ready. And, and when we look at traceability and we look at things like regulations, those really represent kind of the, the stick, right? That's, if we look at the carrot versus the stick, why are we doing something? Regulations are, we have to do it. Um, but then there's also the flip side of that, which is the, the buyers and, and the folks that are interested in consuming this data and this information. So we have our retail buyers, we have our food service buyers, and they're starting to ask for this data. So they're starting to want to use this data, not just for the sake of, of traceability, but also to look at what else we can do with this information. So a, a great area that we've had a lot of conversations in lately has been on inventory management. And when we look at our retailers and our, our food service operators wanting to have fresh product hitting their consumers, it's really a question of inventory. It's not a question of sourcing. Of course, we're going to source the freshest produce we can, but then how do we make sure that that is fresh when our consumers consume it? And that's where things like um, traceability data and inventory management come into play. So historically, you know, they use things like FIFO, first in, first out. So let's say we have a, a warehouse location and they're serving a retail location and that retail store wants uh, four cases of strawberries. So they reach out and we want four cases of strawberries and on hand in our warehouse, we have four cases of one pound strawberries. They were harvested yesterday, but we also have coming in to our dock um, four cases of one pound strawberries that were harvested three days ago. If we're using the FIFO model, then we're gonna take what we have on hand, send it out to the store and, and slot what we are getting today in behind that. But in reality, if we want to really have a material impact on the freshness of our product, we should be looking at that harvest date. We should be looking at all of the attributes of that product that we can get our hands on. Because if we have that information, then let's take what's coming in today, expedite it out to the store. It's still going to be fresh, but what we have harvested yesterday is going to last longer in our, in our inventory. So it's going to really have an impact on product spoilage, on product waste, on, on the freshness of what we're putting out to our customers. So we, we see that buyer interest as really another big driver there for that. And then the third one would of course be our consumers. And, and I'm guilty of this too. Consumers these days really want that visibility. We want, really wanna see 
where our product came from, what was the path that it took, what was the journey that it took to get to our plates. And, you know, having that visibility, having that visibility into that, that journey is something that's really important for our customers. And so one of the, the products that we're really excited about at iTrade is our item level um, solution for item level traceability. And you've probably seen those clamshells of strawberries in stores or those little stickers on, on pieces of, of um, fruit and, and different things where you can scan it with your phone and see exactly where it came from. And you know our, our customers are using that to connect with their consumers, sharing information, sharing marketing material, recipes, but also using that to collect information. So we can also collect detail from our end consumers. So if I'm a supplier and I have this QR code and my customer scans it, I can ask them some questions. Where did you get it? How is the quality? Um, what did you do with it? And we can start to learn about our customers and what they're doing with our products for a, a marketing perspective, but also is the product high quality? So we can use that to identify cold chain issues and identify areas where the displays maybe not aren't the right conditions for that product. So there's some really cool things when we look at the data that we can do for our buyers, we can do for our suppliers, we can do for our consumers. I think I think so. And, and I realized that even dealing with one of our sponsors, Equifruit, and talking about like fair trade bananas, right? They've got, you know, a obviously a barcode and they can scan this in. You can obviously make sure that the growers are getting paid fairly, right? Um, no child labor, all these different things, which I think impacts the consumer, you know, uh, I would say largely, right? Because they're they're looking at it going, wait a minute. Where is this? Where is my food coming from? Okay, but I can scan this barcode and then it's like it takes you on this little trip, right? And in Bananas case, like it takes you to Guatemala where he goes to a farmer's website or a YouTube video showing, you know, that the, what the grower is doing and how they're practicing these. So, and then obviously, you know, it's always best when you get it fresh, right, Sarah? So that's a, you know, obviously the best thing with that first in, first out system. And again, I mean, if you're in the supply chain, you're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, I can, I know we know these things, but if you're the consumer out there, you want to know, right? How is your uh, produce being handled behind the scenes, right? I mean, because as the, the produce industry podcast, I mean, we are a lot of businesses behind the scenes in the supply chain, providing from literally the grower all the way through to the for, a food service distributor, everyone. So, I mean, thinking about all these regulations, you know, obviously uh, my background comes from a grower, packer, shipper, marketer, Sarah. So people don't realize, you know, how this impact growers. I mean, heck, I mean, you, you talk about the FISMA and the burden um, this has. Ask, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about how that burden impacts on suppliers? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the FISMA 204, that, that regulation for anybody that's not familiar with that, it's the, um, the FDA, the, the FSMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act, and it's section 204, which is really focused on the record keeping aspect of that. And so basically, if there's this list, this food traceability list, the FTL, as they call it, which is this list of high risk foods. And anyone in the supply chain that is involved in growing or transforming or shipping or selling those products is subject to this regulation. And under this regulation, you have to capture certain information, they call them KDEs or key data elements, and they have to be captured at those critical tracking events, those CTEs. So it's really about the capture and sharing of that data. So it sounds fairly straightforward, right? We're capturing, we're sharing data, 
The tricky part about that regulation is when you look at the profile of those products, we've got things on that list like soft cheeses and nut butters and herbs and fish, certain fruits and vegetables, anything fresh cut. And so there's this, this variation. There's so many different commodities. There's so many different harvesting methods in there and so many different production scales. So this is always going to require different operational methods, which makes it really difficult when we think about the, the requirement there, which is that we have to somehow apply physical labels and capture that data for all of those different varied commodities. So it's a really difficult problem to solve universally. And, and unfortunately, in these cases, a lot of that burden tends to fall to the supplier community, as you said there, you know, but uh, because of because of that PTI data need, we have to come up with some way to capture that to satisfy that FISMA 204 regulation. So at iTrade, the good news is that we have developed a set of solutions for data capture. So we have everything from our solutions that we've had for years and years, our, our best in breed labeling solutions, to some of our newer innovations like our labelless solutions and, and our recall solutions. And the way that we treat our, our products is that they can kind of be uh, flexible. So they can be combined and they can be fit together in different ways to accommodate all of these different types of commodities and all of these different harvesting methods, you know, whether it's field pack or, or a pack house. And we can do that using these solutions and we can do it in a way that's financially and, and operationally feasible to that, that supplier community. Yeah, because I feel that it always somehow impacts the grower, no matter how, you know, the food goes back to where it was grown. So definitely impactful all throughout the supply chain. And, you know, this is a perfect time, Sarah, to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and then get right back and talking all things about iTrade. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from our sponsors delivering dynamite content. And as I say, from dynamite people. So let's welcome back our guest from the iTrade Network, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, welcome back. Hi, Patrick. The first half was great. If you're just tuning in, we talked about who iTrade is, a little bit about whether their company is focusing on traceability, how this impacts growers. Heck, if you're a consumer, how it impacts you in the grocery store. That's right. iTrade Network can actually impact you in the grocery store, helping deliver fresh produce. So it's been great to learn more about 
iTrade Network. And, you know, to bring it back a little bit, Sarah, as I told you, I'm in the citrus category. You talked about the FTL, the food traceability list. And I have to have you clarify a little bit of this for me. So uh, talk about the FTL items a little bit. Sure. So so the, the stringent rules of FISMA 204 around those KDEs and those CTEs, the, the key data elements, and the critical tracking events, they only apply to that proposed FTL list today. And I don't believe that citrus is on that list, although there are some tropical fruits on there like mango and papaya and star, and, uh, uh, star fruits and things like that. Um, it does apply to fresh cut, so you may be in that category then. But really, you know, I would encourage suppliers to go and check that FTL list. Make sure that your products aren't on that list. Um, if you're, uh, if you're uh, involved in the transformation of those products, you may be subject to these things too. So it's really important to go and check and make sure. But if we kind of step away from the, the regulation for a minute, you know, of course, if you're on that FTL list, you want to make sure you're capturing this traceability data. But but really, we should be having traceability data for all commodities, not just what falls on the, the food traceability list. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about food safety. We're talking about protecting our customers. We're talking about improving inventory management and lessening food waste. And we're talking about recalls, right? If something happens with a product, we don't just want to have that ability to recall products that are on the FTL list. We want to have that ability to recall any product. And we want that to be fast and we want that to be accurate and we want that to be precise. So with our recall and incident management solution that we have at iTrade Network, we do believe that it's important to have this information for all products. And we do believe that it's important for our suppliers to be able to go in and initiate those recalls. We don't just want to wait for a, a food safety event to have the ability to pull those products back. Maybe we have um, undeclared peanuts on, on the ingredients on a product and we need to withdraw that product. And we want that to be a fast and efficient process. So suppliers have the ability through our, through our platform to initiate that process, to manage that removal of that product through our solution. And you know, the good news is when we talk about that traceability data and we talk about having the ability to capture that for all products, as you and I know, it's not always possible to capture that information in the form of a label that we're placing on that on that commodity. It's either not feasible or it's it's not practical when we're thinking about things like proteins or we're thinking about certain commodities. It's really difficult to put labels on certain things. And so we have a solution, a, a labelless solution that allows us to capture that data, regardless of whether we can put a label on a product or not. So, um, you know, it, it really helps to sort of fill in the gaps in those areas where it's historically been very difficult to get that traceability information. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So now you're talking about like label list products because I thought like everything has to have a label on it, right? Because I mean, that's like a, a staple item in the packing houses or in a fresh cut facility, right? You got to put labels on the top, the bottoms, the sides, the stick, I mean, everywhere because obviously these trace back to things, right? So how does that work out? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and if you think right? about, <laughs> I know it's a wild concept. It's, it's exciting. Well, um, so if you think about the products that are on that FTL list, for those products, you absolutely need to have things like lot code and you need to have things like harvest date and these really specific pieces of information. And for those, you absolutely want to have those on the labels, on the cases. You know, we want to make sure that we are prepared for that regulation. But for some other products where, you know, consuming them has a, a kill step. So when we think about 
potatoes. Um, if you're buying potatoes, you're likely not going to take a raw bite out of a potato. You're probably going to bake it or fry it or whatever we're doing with our potatoes. So for some products like um, like those potatoes or for products like our protein products where it's it's not really easy to get a label onto those products, we still can capture more basic information about those products. So we can still capture what those products are roughly when they were shipped. We can capture information about where they were shipped. All of that information can be gathered out of the supply chain data, out of how we know those products move throughout the, the supply chain. And we can do that even without a label. Now it's not gonna to be to the same level of detail as what we can get with a label, but we still have a lot of that information and we have that ability to, to get that journey into, into place, into a record that will allow us to see the product path, allow us to react, allow us to recall, allow us to have that speed and accuracy. If, if there's a food safety event that we can quickly trace and see exactly where everything went and be able to quickly pull that product off of the shelf. So um, we can do that for some of those products without putting a massive financial and operational burden on suppliers where labels aren't necessarily needed. That's amazing because you would think, I mean, heck, I mean, as I would think, maybe I won't speak for the general public, right, Sarah, but I mean, I would think that you'd always have to have a label on it. But now when you're integrating technology into this, you're integrating with this into the supply chain. You are right, though. I mean, it's a concept though. when we talked about this in the first half, right? Didn't we talk about this? adapting and bringing on technology to your company. I mean, that's one of the things that we just talked about. So why not? Why not everyone? I mean, if you're out there listening, why not label list, right? Yeah. Why, why force a label on something if it's not necessarily, and if it's not going to uh, really be something that we need, why put that burden on a supplier? Yeah. And you got to look at the, probably a cost model too. I mean, if it's going to help with the cost of it, right. I mean, printing versus probably having more things in, in a digital platform. Right. I mean, there's, there's a, there's going to be an offset for it. So I think that's where it's going to come into play. I mean, heck, I could tell you right now, I mean, going to the packing house, if I was to go there now and you look at where the stickers go on, right. Or where the quick locks are, you know, how many of those are like on the floor or on the side of like the bins and things like that, just because, <laughs> you know, that, that's what happens to those things. Right. They're constantly everywhere. So, you know, you, you can look at this as a sustainability aspect too. You know, you're going to be uh, obviously less waste, less product and paper waste inside of your facility if you go label this as well. So um, there's a couple aspects to that that you can actually look at it. I just thought about it. And obviously, like I said, everybody, you just have to see what it is for your business. I mean, could this be for everyone? Of course, but you got to see if it fits your business and it, and if this is something that you want to do. You know, Sarah, it's been interesting learning more about iTrade because I can tell you the perception of what I had when obviously when we guys first reached out, it was like, Hey, we want to be on the show. And I was like, what the heck are we going to talk about? They're like a buying platform. You do like you put POs in, right? I was like, and then you accept POs and then you're going to pay these people to like put POs in with another company that you already do business with, man. I'll tell you, it's like a, it's like a 360 now. I'm kind of looking at this as a completely different type of platform than just a buying platform. Like people think it is. Oh, I'm happy to hear that, Patrick. And I thank you again for this opportunity to, to speak with you and your audience. Oh, it's, it's fun, right? As long as we're learning and it's engaging, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear from dynamite people here at the Produce Industry Podcast. So Sarah, if anybody wants to get a hold of yourself or uh, the iTrade Network, how can they go about doing that? 
Sure. So, so you can reach us at itradenetwork.com. We're on Twitter at ITN team and we're on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn too, whether you're interested in talking about traceability or procurement, whatever the challenge is, iTrade Network has over 8,000 trading partners on our network. So if you're facing a challenge, if you're up against something, odds are we've seen it before and we likely have solutions available to help. So please reach out. We'd love to talk with you. I love it, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And as I always say, we'll see you in the fields and on the horizon. Thanks, Patrick. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.